Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 104. I'm Jeremy and always I'm joined with my co-host Jim Caselli of GatheringMagic.com and Ed Wynn of UnnamedGameshop.com. This cast as always is sponsored by GatheringMagic.com and Cool Stuff Inc. who have partnered with us to give away free $25 gift certificates with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. Now, we're recording on a Thursday this week instead of a Monday, which of course means that Travis Allen will sadly not be with us today. Uh, for all of you who miss his snarky humor, I'm very sorry for that, but we look forward to having him back on the cast on the next one. Ed, how are you doing this week? Good. Good. And Jim, how are you doing? Swell. Swell it is. Well, it's definitely been a case of sweltering suns here in the great state of Missouri, which is why I decided to leave. I cannot take 100 degree heat. But, you know, besides the weather, we might as well get into the financial report rather than uh, the clouds gathering around. So we uh, have had not much going on in the financial world. M19 comes out next week. Pre-releases look pretty good. I don't know about you guys. Uh, demand seems okay. And we've basically talked about M19 to death. Is there anything that you guys wanted to expand on as far as, uh, with the whole set being spoiled or anything you've noticed with like standard lately or not really? Uh, I think standard is kind of in this like awkward spot. It happens every summer. I think it's one of those things where interest in standard is probably an all time low, mainly because there's very little that can most most likely i shouldn't say always but most likely uh to actually change the format like we've we see this the summer sets they're usually small um rarely will things be shaken up uh last year kind of notwithstanding since our devastation kind of pushed mono red over the top but it doesn't seem like there would be anything substantial in core 19 that would like greatly shake up standard um and on top of that standard just is not a very popular format like at all this time of year mainly because you know we kind of have the summertime where people are just out about doing things that just don't involve magic um standard is also at the biggest right now so it's hard to kind of see any like major shifts uh in strategies that can kind of come out of this there might be like there might be some cool small things that happen, um, like Chromium. I think like th this one drew a lot of attention when it was released. Uh, it's a very very good control finisher. Excuse me. Um, control decks are like kind of on the fringe of making their way back. We saw that we saw the period where Mono Red was the best, and then it just went a little bit slower. A lot of mid range decks that kind of prey on the Mono Red decks uh, start to surface. And the next step, logically, would be control decks that pay, prey on the mid-range decks. Uh, Chromium seems like a reasonable finisher. Not sure, like, at $9, it, it's a really good uh, place to spec. Um, especially since I don't see it being played as more than, like, a one to two of in, like, the most hardcore uh, control decks. And probably then it might be relegated to a sideboard card. Um there are a lot of like smaller, interesting things. There's like some new planeswalkers. There's like some reprints that will obviously affect the the EV and the finances of it. Crucible, Escape Shift. Um, I'm sure you guys have talked about this in the past few episodes. There's nothing that would greatly shake up standard. Um, I think this is kind of the time where 
Uh, if you're looking, if you want to start thinking ahead, then I would start looking at Ixlon, Rivals Ixlon, Dominaria cards. Many of them have bottomed out. A lot of them are actually starting to rise in price, especially from Ixlon and Rivals. Uh, since they weren't hugely popular sets, they weren't open in large volumes. Uh, if, you, if you're looking to get ahead of the curve, then trying to think of what would be good come rotation with uh, the new Ravnica set in the fall is probably where you want to be at right now. Yeah, I agree with basically everything that Ed said. Um, this M set looks really good, but like there's a lot of cars that don't really have homes yet. Um, there's stuff that you know you might be able to purchase in you know a month or so when everyone's opened a bunch of it and it's not made a huge impact on the standard. But like rotation is coming soon, so it's important to remember that. Like rotation happens at the next set in the fall, so probably like September ish. And when rotation happens, a lot of the red cards that are, you know, I would say you could argue are oppressive at the moment will be leaving and there will be a lot more room to innovate. Right now, it's just kind of like, well, I don't know if my deck can beat a Goblin Chain Whaler deck that has, you know, all the surrounding red cards to support it. Um, but that could change in, you know, not too much time. So, yeah, like I said, I'm not like super hype on any of the stuff from. Um, M19 as far as like speculating is concerned there's like the only thing I want to mention is like there could be like a weird resurgence of zombies because there's a bunch of zombie synergy cards in this set between um, Graveyard Marshal and Death Baron and I think there's one other card that's a zombie that like matters but I can't remember off the top of my head Oh, and then Liliana is like a zombie lord, kind of. Like, it, it's a zombie synergy planeswalker. So, like, there could be a zombie deck that comes up and is good, but I wouldn't, like, put a lot of stock in that idea. Just, it's a thing that could happen. So, if you see people playing at LGS or whatever, and, you know, it's good, then, or if you just want to play zombies, that's, like, a thing to keep in mind. You know what format really matters? Legacy. And guess Commander. what just happened in Legacy? Um, nothing anyone cares about. We had two cards banned, which means that the format is wide open. Um, as a result, I expect Wasteland... You say wide open, but like realistically, there's only like two decks that don't exist that previously did exist. So Goblins is a deck again, because Deathrite Shaman is no longer in the format, and that deck single-handedly... Deathrite Shaman single-handedly kept Goblins from like being a deck. Is it because uh, of the chicken toughness was too much for Goblin yeah, Lackey? exactly. When that That's card came really out, sad. Goblins died as a deck. Um, the other thing is players are going to shift to less greedy mana bases, which makes uh, Port and Wasteland a little better. Um, there's going to be a lot more Wasteland and Port decks around. You're going to see a lot more Death and Taxes, a lot more um, Goblins and stuff like that. So as a result, like you've seen Wasteland go up a bit. Um, Goblin Lackey's obviously trending up, and this also produces additional demand on Ether Vial to go up as well, which you're starting to see. Uh, I think it trended up like five whole percent, but that's a lot of copies of Ether Vial that sold. Um, so it's just like something to keep in mind that a lot of legacy players who haven't played legacy in years since the format became make mono death rate are now getting back into it, and um, Preordain is also going up as well as Storm has to replace uh, that card. So there, the new package is you cut the four probe, you put in two preordain, one island, and I I forgot the last card. I just know it's two preordain. 
and you're starting to see preordained trend up as well, even though it's a common uh, due to both Popper and now uh, Storm players replacing their copies. Yeah, but preordained is like a super underprinted card. It was only in one M set in like the Venture versus Koth dual deck, and I think that's it, right? I thought it was M10 and M11. Well, our resident bulk buyer, uh, Douglas Johnson, is not here to confirm that for us. But yeah. I guess I can go double check so that I don't misspeak because we will get angry comments like, ah, it's obviously in this set that you forgot about. But I remembered it was in the Venser versus Koth dual deck. Okay. So it was only in M11. It was in okay. the Venser versus Koth dual deck, but it was also in Commander 2015, which like I won't really count that as. That a doesn't deck. exist. Yeah. Um, so there are three copy, three printings, um, but that's just something where Legacy Storm is replacing it. I don't know what Dredge is going to replace their copies of Probe with, um, but Legacy is just in a good place. And even though there may not be that many people that play in your area, in my area, that's a big deal. And you're starting to see that uh, affect prices of cards. So I'm just happy that Legacy has finally been shaken up. I'm not too happy about where Modern is because I'm running a 5K next week and shaking the format up would have meant way more sales. But um, this this is fine, I guess. So we'll see. Ed, did you want to say something? Uh, I think without delving uh, too much into the kind of the implications and legacy, um, if you're looking for a new deck to start from scratch, um, I'm not really sure what to tell you. Like the people who are panic selling, like their underground seas, um. Your your investment is still fine. Uh, duels won't crater price. Uh, Bayou probably loses a bit of value, mainly because that's kind of the the go to uh, duel that powers out Deathrite Shaman. But realistically, most of the, most of the Deathrite Shaman decks, um, a lot of them kind of hinged on Underground Sea and Tropical Islands as their way to kind of funnel uh, Deathrite. Beyond that. A lot of the decks that were held back, um, it's been a long time. I mean, Deathrite Shaman has been probably like the best card in Legacy since what Return Ravnica came out in 2012. It's the longest standing tier one card, yeah. It, it's I'm, definitely been a longer run than Maverick or Miracles, yes. Um, so like if you played Legacy kind of in the earlier days, um, a lot of the decks that kind of have fallen by the wayside, as it were. Uh, Goblins was one of them. Obviously, that was just straight up shut off by Deathrite Shaman. Uh, we probably see we could probably see a, a decent resurgence of I shouldn't say necessarily graveyard uh, base decks, but a lot of decks that uh, utilize your graveyard. They probably uh, will probably see a bit of resurgence in them. Reanimator, both the black, red, and blue black varieties, probably will become a bit more popular. They had a law game to begin with. I expect Blue Black to kind of be the flavor that people would like, mainly because if we expect more combo-based decks like Sneak and Show, Mono Red Prison, Storm, uh, Blue Black is kind of the... It, it was initially the anti-combo uh, combo deck. Uh, so we'll see that uh, that deck kind of come back, I imagine. Uh, we'll see older variants of... Uh, Delver, I imagined. Uh, can, uh, Canadian, Threshold. Canadian Threshold is going to be everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, I that that was basically shut off by Deathrite Shaman mainly because 
when you're trying to get to seven cards a turn on your nibble mongoose, a death right shaman is eating one card a turn. It's kind of hard to get to seven cards very quickly. Um, and uh, I imagine miracles might kind of become the control deck of choice. Death right shaman was just very very obnoxious for miracles to deal with. It taxed your swords of plowshares, which you often needed to deal with like a delver or a young pyromancer or something. It ate up your graveyard cards uh, for snapcaster mage. Um, and it, would be, it was basically a win condition on its own. Um, so I expect like Miracles to kind of see a bit of a resurgence. Miracles is already like a very, very playable deck. I imagine that this kind of puts it over the top. Um, lots of like lots of other decks that have kind of just been on the fringes. I expect like kind of Legacy to open itself up. Mainly because I think Deathrite Shaman just did a little bit too much. I mean, it, it, it's no surprise. It just fueled a bunch of different decks. I wouldn't necessarily say it's overpowered, but the fact that most a lot of decks just start out with like brainstorms and deathright shamans and whatever basically whatever was whatever reasonably powerful card you want to throw in um, was probably the reason why deathright needed to go. Um, I think if I were, were to start looking, I'd probably looking at like start looking at Stoneforge Mystic, kind of like an oddball pick since um, I think a lot of people were expecting it to get unbanned in Modern, which it didn't. Um, but without a master set immediately on the way, I don't really see a place where Stoneforge gets reprinted. Um, and Stoneforge was kind of the backbone of Legacy for many, many years. Uh, the interaction with just the various fair cards like Snapcaster Mages, Swords of Plowshares, Cantrips, uh, Stoneforge and Barriskull, Jitty, Sword of Peace and Famine. That was the, that was like the backbone and probably one of the like best controlled control slash mid-range decks and legacy for many years before that's right i'm gonna disagree with ed here i think all the cheap copies of stoneforge have been snapped up now due to people thinking it was going to get unbanned and with the new price memory there's probably not that much profit you can make on this card um yeah i agree there's like it's still in its peak basically since the last time people decided to get on the oh this card's gonna get unbanned in modern land which always spikes it that's probably fair, but like, if you need like, if you need a set to just start, if you want to start playing Legacy and start like messing around with like Stoneblade decks again, I don't think it's an unreasonable place to spend your money. I think Tundra is probably like a reasonable place to um, great call to go yeah, to go as well. Um, yeah. Miracles plays it, uh, Stoneblade plays it. Um, that's kind of probably going to be a reasonable starting point. That being said, it. You'll only play it as like a two of in most decks. Uh, a lot of the, the um, miracles based decks they've turned to back to basics as their uh, non basic interaction of choice. Um, but I think Tundra is relatively undervalued right now. It's not a bad place to go um, if you want a set. I don't think buying Stoneforge Mystic uh, person personally to play rather than buying like you know twenty of them and trying to spec on because I imagine the next time that. A Stoneforge Mystic unbanning would happen is probably going to be paired with uh, a master set somewhere. How Jace and uh, and uh, A25 were paired together with its unbanning. Can we talk about dual lands and the general sense of the magic economy for a second? Because I know our listeners are tired about us talking about cards that are as much as a rent payment, but the magic economy is starting to trend down again. There's only two dual lands that are continuing to go up right now. One of them being tropical Ion and one of them being Tundra. The rest are starting to fall back down. If you look at completed listings now, obviously Ed may have a different 
grasp on numbers from hit from what he's seeing. But for me, like looking on TCG eBay, uh, even with the coupons, prices are starting to trend back down. And it also seems like there's a ton of people, if you look online, that are starting to cash out again. Um, I'm sort of personally worried about what this is going to do as it accelerates again towards December. Uh, last December, we had a strong economy and prices still fell to unimaginable lows at some points where it felt like the prices were never going to recover going into the next year. If you were uh, looking at some of the stuff, though, as Ed predicted, they definitely rebounded. Um, with a worse off economy this year, as well as the same trend happening again year after year, do you guys think that we're going to see even lower prices than last year in December? Or do you think that some of these dual lands and some of the other stuff um, are going to stick? Because if you look online, you have vendors like Paul Fudo of MTG Deals and uh, Monty, who listens to this cast a bunch that works out of Canada. Uh, they were making the argument that duels are have hit their peak for the year and they should be going back down. Um, there was some some debate on that uh, between vendors on what exactly was going to happen. Um, so I'm I'm curious on Ed's perspective and and Jim's perspective about where you guys see magic prices going for the next month or two. Because to me, it just seems like a lot of people are selling out at the peak and not looking back. Um. I, that question is a lot to break down. Um, I, so I think, so the first part is, is the magic economy on a downturn? Yes, it is in the sense that every summer and every winter, we kind of see this like very bearish market happen. Um, there's, there's just, there's a lot of things going on. Just summer is just naturally when people want money, they want vacation money. They want things to like, just, go outside and do rather than play magic um that that being said we're this is the first year where we've seen kind of the major like surge happen in quarter one as opposed to usually quarter three is when surges and prices occur um that that coupled with summer i think makes it an easy sell for a lot of people um i know a lot of people were at the point where they they would rather spend the money um that they can get from their deck going towards other things than whatever utility the deck actually provides them um sure there will always be like the legacy diehards there will always be the people that have a vibrant legacy community like you know like like maybe for like your customers jeremy like people they'll always just play legacy year round but for people who are approaching the point where the money gained is worth a lot more than whatever entertainment value they get especially if you're only playing legacy like once or twice a month or something yep it's it's an, it's an easy cash out point so that i don't disagree with uh that being said i think that duels duels especially uh reserveless cards are kind of like in a similar boat but not all of them i think duels are if if anything has trended in the past and literally not had an exception it's that duels will continue to go up in price i do not think that we will ever see underground c at like like sub 400 dollars again i think they're like the like the realistic scenario from here on out is like dual like your underground c's especially just the minimum that you'll see them is probably going to be like 500 dollars um which is a little bit lower than it, where it was kind of like in the crescendo that led up to vegas when everyone was expecting you know, duels to just kind of be out of control. Um, that growth isn't really sustainable. It happens with kind of every um, very, very bullish market, mainly because 
a lot of people just take advantage and catch up. It's one thing when you have like a standard spec that goes from, you know, you buy it at like two, like two dollars. Like let's say you bought Goblin Chain Whirler at like one to two dollars, for example. Um, like in order for you to actually have noticeable gains and actually profit, you like you Goblin Chain Whirler had to go up. It was like a four of in many many standard decks at like the Pro Tour and GPs leading up to it, and it peaked at like six dollars, seven dollars. You weren't turning a healthy profit at that point. If you had bought in underground seas at two hundred dollars, for example, which was as early as, uh, I mean, sorry, not as early as late as like, I don't know, mid last year, about a year at this point, and you turned them when they were like six hundred, seven hundred dollars. I think that's a convincing enough argument for people to get out. Um, that being said, I don't think duels again will ever kind of settle to the price that they were before. Um, I think that there you can just expect that they'll be higher than they were. Um, sure, there will be people that will cash out legacy; they won't look back. Um, that will always be the case. But there's enough people that will continue to buy. There's enough markets where duels are in very very short supply, like notably Japan. Um, that duels will always be absorbed if they go below a certain point. There's probably going to be a very very uh, hard floor on how low they can go before the market will just naturally absorb them again. And what are your thoughts on overall prices as we head towards December? Do you think we're going to see like $40 Tarmogoyce again, stuff like that? I don't think so. I think um, price memory is just one of those things that will like that, that resonate very strongly with people. It's very, very, very hard for your average person to let go of a card for much, much less than what they paid for it. Um, mainly because that just kind of leads to feel bad moments. Um, so I, I think anyone who purchased like duels, like if you somehow purchased your duels when they were on the rise at like, you know, underground seas at like six, six fifty, seven hundred $700, you're probably not going to let it go for like four to 500, um, unless you really need the money or whatever. So I think that like those will naturally be high. We don't really have a reprint for modern, um, a, like a master's type set on the horizon we there's no timeline that we know about um i don't know when the next announcement day is going to be uh so that might be kind of the next thing to look out for but like we've raised should be coming up soon right don't they usually do one in july for the second half of the year and then like in november for the first half my of the guess year? will be at the pro tour in minneapolis they will announce it i feel like it should be a little bit later than that because we already know like we already know the fall set. Like the only thing that could be, we don't know any of the supplemental things though. After Commander, right? We don't. That's correct. But again, like what, like maybe they, maybe like it's suggesting they're slowing down their schedule. Like I feel like Battle Bond is kind of like the the oddball set that like conspiracy type set that came in, um, for like for the year. There like there's no more like dual decks, which is usually like we see dual decks. Uh, happen twice a year, dual decks are no more. Uh, so it's possible that there might be a master set come like November, similar to what we had with Iconic. But again, until we have a timeline, I expect like prices will just be relatively stable. Um, I imagine they can't fall much further than they are. A lot of modern staples have already gotten very, very expensive. Most fetches are basically at like pre-Master 17 prices again. Like Scalding Tarn is like pushing 80 again. Um, even like 
Misty Rainforest, Air Mesa, Marsh Flats, most of them are already like at the $25 mark, which uh which it took a long time to get back to, seeing how like a year ago, I mean not a year ago, like a few months ago when Master 17 was was supply was probably at its peak, you could probably get most of those lands for like twenty like twenty ish dollars. Yeah, so. buy list for twenty on most major retailers. Yep. Um or buy list. Yeah, Misty Rainforest Bios may be 22 now among like the bigger retailers that get a lot of them in, but it wasn't hard to get them in. I agree with you, Ed. Jim, what are your thoughts on the economy as a casual player? Has this stopped you at all? Because I, I even noticed the last couple of days, last week, two weeks ago, we had the Global Series come out. Last week, we had Commander 20, whatever the second Commander thing was. And this week, it was... Uh, M19 pre-release like as a casual player are you like running out of money at this point for like every single product or are you spending your money wiser and how do you think the economy is going to compare to you as a casual player and like how does that affect you so honestly at this point I'm like a weird set subset of casual players where I don't buy any sealed product anymore because it's not good value for my time and my money so seeing like more sealed product stuff come out is like not a big deal for me one way or another. At this point, I'm just kind of playing it like every every set release really just doesn't exist for me until like a month after it comes out because basically what I've just been doing is waiting for people to like buy all the cards at the pre-order prices, realize they're not as good as they thought they were, and then I wait a couple of weeks after set release and then I do my my purchase, my basically my bulk purchase of like all the things that I wanted from the set or all of the things that I wanted from the set that are a, a reasonable amount of money. So like Battlebound stuff I bought last week from Doug. I bought like the rebirth cards that I wanted, like Greater Good and Nirkana Revenant and stuff like that. But then I also bought all the newer cards, like the the uh, pair commander guys that I thought were gonna be fun to play with. But I didn't buy them right away because they're way more expensive when the set's being previewed so like pier and toothy were like three or four dollars each and now they're like a dollar each so like there's not a whole lot for me to be excited about at the moment like there are definitely cards in the in the, the m set that i want but i'm not paying 35 dollars or whatever nicobolus is pre-ordering for i'll just wait because just like nicobolus god pharaoh there's a subsection of people that are just like oh my god it's nicobolus i need to own it and i don't really care how much it costs I would rather wait a little bit and spend less money, which is what I'm planning to do. If this card's like a standard staple, I probably won't buy it until like a year Years. or two from now. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not I'm not worried at the moment. Like so I don't think that it really has a place in standards. I'm probably gonna try to buy it before Ravnica comes out because uh if we get better dual like better dual lands, which I assume that we will, maybe not shock lands themselves, which just like more or better duels than we previously had then it might be more reasonable to play three colors and that card would be good but i'm not i'm not really like excited to buy stuff right away the only thing that i'm probably going to buy right when it comes out is the commander set but we don't know anything about it yet and we won't know anything until next thursday they're doing a uh, a live stream on the magic like uh twitch account which they said they're going to show like art and all the themes from the for the sets we literally just got done with M19 spoilers and now they're throwing commander spoilers at us. It's a little much. Can we just so, please have some time off? So so I, I looked up um, what the schedule was last year for um, like release the release of the products basically from July onward. 
So July of last year was when Hour of Devastation came out. Uh, August was when Commander came out, and then September was when Ixalan came out. And then after that, there was nothing in October, and then in November, there was four different weird supplementary products. There was the Merfolk versus Goblins dual deck, Iconic Masters, Explorers of Ixalan, and From the Vault Transform. And then we finish up the year with Unstable. I think that they're just going to announce a bunch of like random stuff that we don't know about yet, like a bunch of like maybe they'll do another um, spellbook series deck, like maybe Chandra or Liliana or Nicobolas or something, like someone popular other than Jace. Like I could see that coming in at the end of the year, and then another master set this year doesn't wouldn't surprise me at this point. Like I think they stuck in Iconic Masters last year, and it was okay, but it just like was weird because you could get the set so much earlier because it was like previewed in like the summer, but that it didn't come out till the fall. I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff I think like missing on the horizon. Like they're not gonna go uh with one set for the the last four months of the year. But to, re to reiterate your question, um, I'm not out of money to spend on magic. I just am more picky about what I spend it on. Like, I'm not going to this pre-release because I don't really like to play sealed anymore, and I'm not really like I don't need the cards for standard, so I don't need them right away. So I don't really get any benefit out of opening six or seven ish packs. Plus, for the cost of pre-release, you could just buy what you want when the set comes out. Well, no, the pre-release is like $30. That's not even enough for a Nicol Bolas at the moment. Is Nicol Bolas mythic? So, like, yeah. if it doesn't see play, you can probably snag it for 5 bucks. Then you can probably snag, like, uh, uh, what's it called? What's that the artifact? Other, uh, Dragon's Horde? No, 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 the mythic art. Crucible. You can probably sm snag a Crucible for, like, 20 bucks. Yeah, I mean, like, there's also, like, something where, like, I already have a Crucible, so I don't really care about that that much. Like, if there were, like, $10 at some point in time, I'll probably buy a second one, but I'm not in any rush to get that. Like, don't need Escape Shift. I don't play Modern, really. Um, so that doesn't interest me very much. The Elder Dragons are, like, whatever. I think I want to buy Sarkons, or maybe more than one Sarkon. And then Dragon's Horde seems like the kind of card that, like, if they print a bunch of dragons in Ravnica, which would be weird, but they could do... And that card could be good in the standard, and I want to buy it before that happens. Um, but after, like, other than that, I'm not like super worried about getting anything right now. Most of the time, if I'm really, if I really, 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 if you really, really, really want a card and you really want it as close to the release date as possible, the best time to buy cards is the release weekend, like the Saturday after the set comes out, after people bust all their boxes and. A bunch of uh, non-store people put their stuff on TCG Player is when you're going to find it the cheapest. That's when I bought like, I think I bought like twelve um, Coalition relics for like three dollars because a bunch of people listed them after they busted their Masters boxes because they were they just want to get rid of it, try to break even. So if you really, really want to get stuff, that is by far the best time, as close to the release as possible. After that stuff. Like kind of dries up, people buy them things that they want for their decks, and that goes up a little bit, or people are more patient and they don't want to sell it for as low as it's selling. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really okay. Um, I don't know, Jim. Do you want to go to a Spice Girls concert? Please, no. Ed already wants to go to Taylor Swift, so I will, I will definitely pass on both. Um, all right.
So that was very good insight by both of you guys. I appreciate uh, the the reasoning behind your answers. I just think it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of people like break apart cubes, sell out of duels. And it's just interesting to see like how much of this the market can soak up. I mean, um, I think a lot of it is just like people are like cognizant of the fact that duels are very expensive right now. And if you've like wanted to sell stuff, but haven't gotten around to it because you're lazy, this is a reason to sell. Right. Yeah, there's like, like a, there's a quote that, uh, Kobe, Jacob Kobe from the SEG circuit says he's like the best MTG finance is being lazy because he's like, I've just been forgetting to sell stuff and it keeps going up. So, I mean, that's that's true with like some stuff, not everything. I wouldn't recommend being lazy with standard cards because uh, you usually have like a weekend to get rid of them. Uh, in his case, it's like alpha power and beta duels. So, you know, must be nice. Yeah, I was gonna say that like you, you have like stocks, so I guess that you know you can't lose money on them if you don't sell them. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into our credit winner of the week. It's a reoccurring winner, I believe, who asked a very good question. Uh Nathan Klein asks, Hey aristocrats, is Battle Bond following a trajectory closer to conspiracy or unstable? Depending on your answer, what are the short or long term implications for buying and selling Battle Bond singles? So I definitely think that the foils especially are very similar to conspiracy. I don't think that unstable is a really fair like way to compare because unstable literally has nothing you can play except for basic lands. So like all of the other cards are just for people that enjoy unstuff, which is significantly less than the number of people that want the sweet basic lands. So I don't know if I would compare unstable to battle bond in that sense like there are definitely cards that are very not not very good in regular magic like the cards that have assist however they are like reasonable in commander which is a format that unstable is not legal in so i think if you look at the conspiracy stuff especially the foils um the mythic rare cards are very very expensive and they will continue to be very very expensive because there just are not very many of them Doug, did you want to, or not Doug, sorry, Ed, did you want to talk about something? Um, I, I think you basically kind of hit the points on the head. Um, the timeline for Battle Bond was like a little strange. I'm not sure why they had to basically just run run it so close to Core 19. It feels like Battle Bond came out, what, like, it, it feels like it came out last week in terms of how much supply is actually injected on market, but it's been out for like I'm three on- weeks. Three weeks now, for yeah, a month, yeah. and if and like even like when it was coming out, people are, were already starting to get like, hey, core nineteen, like we're starting to get previews on it. Um, the foils are always going to be very expensive. Uh, True name is definitely kind of the winner there, but there's like there's just so many unique, cool cards that kind of fall in there, uh, like Spellseeker, the uh, the dual lands. Uh, Arena Rector, like all of them, like first time printing, like it's the only way to get foil on some of them, especially in like a lot of old favorites with like doubling season diabolic intent. I imagine the cards aren't going to get much cheaper. I think, like Jerry mentioned, that like the more popular ones have already started to trend upwards in price, uh, especially because like the ones that did get reprinted, um, they see so much play. Like doubling season is like always like a crowd favorite. 
dye ball content has basically seen like zero uh printings like the masterpiece doesn't count the last one was plane shift which was 17 years ago uh even like the more recent ones like seedborn seedborn muse figure bicosense lattice like those are way overdue for reprints but i imagine just like how popular they are like seedborn muse is just in every green deck um that it won't take long for them to rebound in price uh it is pretty hard to get battle bond right now from what i understand i don't think it's available through most distribution channels um like watsi doesn't have any stock you can't order from them so if you're looking to buy it short term you're probably gonna be looking at like probably the highest price are gonna be but that being said with how little of it actually exists out there i don't know if waiting is necessarily going to be the better play i imagine that there will be restock at some point but i think too many vendors have kind of been stung by kind of like i i imagine this being more like a conspiracy type thing rather than like an unstable thing um unstable basics were a little bit too good mainly because you know everyone wants cool basic lands to play with um less people want like casual cards or whatever um to be able to turn over battle bond large volume that being said if like on amazon you can buy boxes for i think like 85 dollars shipped uh you can use like star city credit there are definitely ways to get boxes i don't think tucking like some of them away is necessarily the worst thing ever um and if you're feeling particularly ambitious like i don't think you can lose really lose money by cracking boxes at like 82 to 85 dollars um mainly because the like the casual cards are just so good uh, because so many of them are rare, there's kind of like a floor on how bad your box can be. Um, even without the foils, mainly because the foils are just a huge question mark. Um, if anyone like has those, like True Name Nemesis is like $250. Um, if you have one, you can probably ask like you can probably ask like closer to $300, mainly because they're just so there's just not a lot of out there right now. Um, but even like the even the dual ends are like I think $25 themselves um so like you're opening a box like you're it's i would say it's you're basically not going to lose money unless you get an exceptionally bad box even then or there's a bad price or bad price um but, but even then i imagine that like if you just have like a commander play group or something like it's definitely worth investing like if you can squeeze like a draft out of your box and then just like swap around the swap around whatever cards you need to finish up your edh deck among like other commander players so yeah, it's it's really like telling when like almost every single foil rare in the set is ten dollars or more. Like that's that's pretty obscene, all things considered. Like even like cards that are not worth very much, like the uh, oh, what is the card called? Sorry, uh, stolen strategy is like a dollar non foil and is thirty dollars in foil because like it's just really sweet in commander and people are willing to pay extra for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I agree. Like even like some of the commons, like Sky Shroud Claim is pretty expensive as for a foil common. Um, Victory Chimes is is a card that's like a couple of dollars in foil. Like it's really hard to like lose opening this unless you get particularly unlucky or you pay too much money. Yep, uh, I agree. I I would think this is a tr to answer your question, Nathan. I think this is a trajectory that's going to be closer to unstable than conspiracy. Or if it follows a trajectory of conspiracy, it'll be conspiracy two compared to conspiracy one, where the mythics are going to continue appreciating uh, higher and higher 
as time goes on. Because I don't think shops got a lot of this um, and the waves are starting to die down that we're getting restocks on. Um, so I think I think $15 for an Ajila in like a year is like probably where it's going to be at. Stuff like that, like a slow increase over time. And like the biggest difference from this versus Conspiracy 2, um, even though I did think like like the kind of the drafting process is similar to that of Conspiracy 2, where people will probably want to draft a few times and be done with it, uh, which has largely already happened. Um, the mechanics are just inherently much better than Conspiracy and Conspiracy 2. Um, a lot of the gimmicks were like the draft matters type cards, a lot of them are a much more narrow, whereas here, like the ones where that are like more multiplayer oriented or clearly with like the focus on two head giant, like Jim said, it matters for people who want to play commander. So there's just much more appeal there for a larger range of cards compared to conspiracy. So as an aside, if you're a, if you're a commander player um, or mostly a commander player like myself, this is like some of the best stuff that you could possibly get. And it's going to be, extremely cheap at the moment please don't like wait and and miss out because people like to complain that oh such and such card is so expensive because you know it's old and rare and hard to find like phyrexian altar people don't play very many phyrexian altars they just don't exist this is this is a case where a lot of these cards just previously just didn't exist like vigor and mind's eye and greater good and uh, Diabolic Intent. Like, all of these cards, if you need, if you are going to find yourself playing any of these cards, just buy them now. Like, they're, like, so inexpensive on TCG Player that, or even our sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com, that this is the kind of thing that you could save money on in the long term. Like, if you don't own a Mind's Eye and you play Commander, what are you even doing? Like, just buy one. It's $2.50. It's good. You're going to have a, a, a deck for it at some point in time, right? Like, you just gotta think ahead just don't a lot of people i think get stuck into like buying like exactly what they need for their deck and when these reprint sets come along you need to like throw your net a little bit wider and and be able to pick up more things that you might need but you don't need right now like i bought four copies of sky shroud claim because probably for a couple of years now i just haven't been playing them in my commander decks because i don't want to buy i didn't want to pay like two or three dollars for one like, I was like, whenever it gets reprinted, it'll be really cheap, and I'll just buy it then. So that's my my pearls of wisdom for today. Makes sense. Um, so how can Nathan claim his credit this week, and where can people who keep leaving questions on Twitter actually leave their questions to win, even though we say this every week? Man, it bothers you so much. I hope that people continue to leave questions on Twitter. But just do it in both places so that you can actually win. So Nathan, uh, send me a message on Facebook or Twitter uh, at the uh, Cartel Aristocrats Facebook or Twitter page, and I will send you your $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffing.com. And if you'd like to win next week, uh, you can leave a question on the Gathering Magic page where our podcast goes up, and then you can also DM it to Jeremy because he really likes when you do that. <sighs> I would just like to point out that uh, Sigmund Osfresser was monitoring dual land prices and he found that Card Kingdom no longer has Underground Sea on their hot list, um, which is an interesting thing because they normally always have like duels on their hot list, but they actually took Underground Sea off their hot list. So just a, just a price data to keep in mind. 
ABU is still paying an insane amount. I think they're still paying like $550 on a play at underground C, but uh, yeah, just a uh, good, good point of data there. Um, you guys want to get into pick of the week or you want to talk about anything else? So this has been a good cast, notably without Travis. Yeah, I feel like you were going to throw him under the bus pretty much as soon as you said this is a good cast. Yep. Ed has uh, the amount of people that have been remarking in this live stream that Ed has clear audio and good internet connection. Uh, shout out to all the people that watch this live on YouTube when we record because uh, Ed, this is like the first time in like a year that Ed has been stable both in life, internet connection, and audio quality. It's been It's been nice. I don't believe you, but okay. I mean, go look at the live stream. People are complimenting how good Ed's feed is. Right, but I don't necessarily think that they're saying that it's so much better than it ever has been. No comment. Um, you guys want to do pick of the week? My guess is yes. <laughs> we don't really have a choice, right? Like <laughs> We are doing have... pick of can, the week. Can, can I say no? Unless you have like some other like profound topic to talk about. We do, but there's another topic, but it would take like 30 minutes to go over and it's been like 45 minutes and I don't really want to record an hour and a half today. Mm. How, how, how good is the topic? Let's start with that. It's, it's the prices of alpha and beta commons. No, no. Okay. Cause there's oh. a lot of data behind it, but we can save it for another cast. Maybe you should write an article about it so I don't have to talk about it or listen what, to writing? It. Writing? It's so much easier to podcast. I mean, we get paid way more to podcast anyway. So thank you to everyone who keeps who, donating. Who we? Who we? Who we gets appreciate paid? It. Every single paid? penny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, Ed. What's your pick of the week? Um, I mean, Cats, I mentioned that I would start looking towards Ixlon, rivals of Ixlon Dominaria cards. Um. Rivals Ixon is kind of like a distant memory at this point. The card I'm looking at is Twilight Prophet. It was initially like pushing, I think, like $10, $12 when it first came out. Uh, in case anyone needs a refresher, it's the uh, four mana, two, four flying vampire. It has Ascend. Um, if you do have the City's Blessing, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put in your hand, each opponent loses X life, and you gain X life where X is that card's convert mana costs. Uh, so it's like it's like a bigger, improved Dark Confidant, I guess. Um, the biggest draw for me right now is that uh, it's you don't really have kind of long games, mainly because the presence of Mono Red and Black Red has pushed kind of a lot of strategies to the wayside. And even the decks that are like more controlling types, it seems like they want to be uh, winning with like Teferi and uh, like Approach of the Second Sun. We saw like the blue eyed control decks where Teferi is the only win con and it does so by tucking itself over and over again and eventually milling your opponent out. Um, that being said, with the Exodus of uh, Kaladesh block and Amonkhet block, you lose a lot of things that would otherwise kill Twilight uh, Prophet. Like Fatal Push is gone, Chandra is gone. Uh, you can chain together like multiple burn spells to kill it. Um, but like a Dodge's Lightning Strike, there's not really like a good like Doom Blade type effect in the format that easily kills it. Um, if the format does slow down a little bit, I would kind of see like 
maybe a bit more room for like these type of ascend cards to become a little bit better um that being said like it's all a stretch but at like i think uh it's like four to five dollars on tc player i'd probably be willing to like gamble with like you know a hundred dollars a hundred dollars is 25 copies um it's i i th- i feel like it might be a bit of a long shot i don't think it's unreasonable that this could be like a ten dollar card it kind of fits a slot where if it were to get played i imagine it would probably get played as like a three to four of um so that's like kind of where i want to be right now there's a few other cards that kind of fall in that i think mox amber is also getting cheap enough even though that card's pretty bad um but it's it's cheap enough that i'm willing to gamble with a bunch of copies if it if something somewhere does happen and it goes up in price then we're probably at the point where buying them is not a bad idea um for 2019 i actually like sark on the uh fireblood a three man planeswalker is a good place to look um usually because they if they are going to be good they're generally going to be pretty busted i think just being able to filter your draws um is where red wants to be uh the mana ability is kind of awkward it doesn't really feel like it does anything mainly because adding two red doesn't really help you cast some of the like dragons you might want to be casting, especially since like Glorybringer is rotating. Um, but I would probably look a little bit closer. I think the I think ten to twelve dollars is a little bit much to pay for it right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if um, if if the decks that do exist in standard right now do find a home for Sarkin, or if excuse me, if uh, we do kind of see a deck kind of emerge in the in the future because of it that being said there is a short period where sarkin and glorybringer are in the same format and it might be good enough in like the model red decks that sarkin might see some play as a result i agree i think that sarkin is really good i think he's going to get played in standard uh if you listen to the game podcast by jerry thompson they talked about it last week as being one of the favorite one of the one of his favorite cards in the set because uh three mana planeswalkers are usually busted so my pick this week is uh, also a three-mana Planeswalker that may not be good right this second, but it will be good probably very soon. Uh, my pick is Jace Cunning Castaway. Um, that card is like $2, and it's a Planeswalker. I don't understand why it's so cheap. Um the guilds that are coming out in Ravnica are, or the first Ravnica set, are Selesnya, Boros, Golgari, Izzet, and Demir. And the two blue guilds, um, I think, could benefit from this style of Planeswalker because it lets them card, like, gives them more card filtering. And the Demir stuff, them, like, Demir is known for being sneaky and having uh, hard to block creatures. So I think that'll pair well with Jace. And a two dollar planeswalker, like I don't know how you could go wrong. Like I, even if you do, even if this doesn't see any standard play, at some point in time, it's going to be more expensive than it is now because uh, it is not just the living guild pact, and that card also has like a reasonable amount of value in it. Or I guess it's also not Tibalt. I guess that's like the worst possible planeswalker, and that's it's still worth like about the same. Can I do a one percent pick and then like a normal pick? No, Since I didn't get one number, of those. The number one flack on Reddit is that I only pick cards that are like no one can afford or only people with uh, shops can sell. 
So. So then don't pick either of those things. Man, it's such a good pick. Just pick uh, to call it a day. No, I, I hate that card. I th- I think saying both is fine, especially like, especially since we have both like vendors and other like shop owners. Yeah, uh, man, we have way too many vendors that listen to this cast. It's actually kind of crazy the amount of people that do. Uh, uh, I know I I know I would take advice from me if I was on the other end, but somehow in my mind it makes sense. So, but the fact so, that other people listen to me is crazy. The fact wait. that people listen to Jeremy is even crazier. Yeah, don't do that. That's a bad idea. So, so you're saying you wouldn't take your own advice, Ed? I take my own advice because I'm willing to gamble with a lot more things than I think people reasonably should gamble with. And if there's one thing Ed loves, it's gambling. Oh, he's a degenerate. Allegedly. Um, my 1% pick of the week is the original art for the Tronlands that just went up on the art market. Bomb. They were spoiled with brand new art that looks amazing. And uh, there's a strong um, chance that these will be printed in the future with this art when they reprint the Tronlands next year or two years out based on the pattern of original art coming out. And then um, them printing the cards one to two years later. Yo, man, it could be the the winner uh, master set. Yeah. Um, so... These are huge pieces that are currently way below market value. Uh, so if you have the money, this is this is a good one. Uh, they're nowhere near where they should be. I think it's currently $16,000 for all three original pieces, but they're huge and they're hand-painted. Um, and they're guaranteed to come with like foil artist prints as well. I think these are going to sell for $25,000 and no one's made a bid that high yet. Um, if you look at Vulcan Baga's M19 Angel, which I lost, that ended up selling for about $28,000, which I was pretty tilted about. Um, so yeah, art stuff. Join the art group. Look at art things. It's fun. Um, yeah, if you have like $25,000. So you would, say, you would think feed. that, but at the live art auction on Facebook last week, pieces were selling for like $50. I bought the original sketch to ground seal for $50. Like that is an obscenely good price. Okay, but that's not like that's not what your pick of the week was. No, but I'm just saying, like, if you have the money and you like art and you've looked at these pieces and you've seen how much work went into these, it's insane. Like they're they're debating the Therese Nielsen ones, but like the Planeswalker ones, which are probably going to sell for fifty thousand dollars for all five. Uh, but that's not as good of a pick as the Tronlands that are currently under power underpriced. You do so. realize that the people that probably have this amount of money don't listen to our podcast, right? Uh, this for it's for JR. JR, go buy the Tronlands. It wouldn't okay. surprise me if there are actually like some like very, very affluent people who actually do listen to this cast. That's who we cater to. Our our uh, our logo is literally has a monocle in it with two money signs. Yeah, because the proxy guy is the best. Also, shout out to the proxy guy. Yeah. Um yeah, but I, I think these are underpriced. And if they sell for less than 25000 for the set, I will be very surprised. These also end in like four days. Um, so that's okay, my... so what's your what's your 99%? Uh, yeah, so pick. my 99.99% pick is um, Worm Coil Engine um, with the uh, reprint of the Commander one. They're super cheap right now. I think you hold these for uh, like nine months until modern starts kicking off, and then you sell out immediately before it can get reprinted in like Modern Masters 2019. Um, 
So I think they'll announce like Modern Masters 2019 or uh, Eternal Masters 2 next year in springtime. And that's when you should be selling these worm coil engines because they're just super cheap right now. Everyone's like popping commander anthologies and dumping them. And you don't really have to pay anything to get them in. It's also not a bad trade target. And time and time again, this card has continued to defy expectations and go back up. I just want to point out one thing that they yeah. said that they will likely not do format-based master sets anymore. Okay, but whatever the nineteen masters is like that. If you don't want to get burned by that, you sell these in April when like stuff is going up again. And like Blade of Cells was like down to like five bucks at one point. It's like back up to six fifty now, I think, which is also just like free money. Um, so yeah, like Commander Anthology Two has just been great. Like we can't keep anything in stock. Um, so it's cool. That's uh, you got my one percent pick and my ninety nine percent pick, and then my ninety nine point nine percent pick this week. I'm I am surprised you picked the card as cheap as Worm Coil Engine. Yeah, shout out to uh, people that love when I pick cards I can only sell out of a storefront or cards that no one can afford. God, I keep that that uh, stereotype strong. Yeah, I was gonna say like I was waiting for you to pick like Tabernacle. And then <laughs> I, I was just gonna close the cast. No. <laughs> All right, where can people find you guys? I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. Uh, I'm in Columbus this weekend for. Uh, Pokemon uh, North American Intercontinentals. Uh, shout out to people who found me last weekend in Columbus at US Nationals. I met a lot of you. That was pretty cool. Um, too many names to list, unfortunately. But again, thank you for coming up to me, giving me feedback, saying hi, whatever else. Um, next weekend, I will be in Japan and I will be there through Grand Prix Chiba. Um, and then after that, you guys will see me in GP Minneapolis. My name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. Man, I got that messed up. Um, and you, you can find my articles. Frosty. Yeah, I got to stay frosty. And you can frosty. find my articles. On... Can you stop interrupting me? <laughs> You can find my articles on gatheringmagic.com every other week. Um, I'm Jeremy. I will be running a modern charity 5K next week at Moonbase Market in St. Louis. We will have $85 boxes of M19 available, including tax. If you think you can find a cheaper price, I don't care. Uh, we'll have Jace's Spellbooks at $16 and a bunch of other cheap sealed product that I've just been sitting on forever. Uh, feel free to stop by. Douglas Johnson from Brainstorm Brewery will be there. He is contractually not allowed to mention on Brainstorm Brewery that he will be there, so you're only going to hear it on this side. Um, I think we will have good monies, armed security, old school, vintage sides, um, multiple vendors. Feel free to stop around, shop, and haggle. Um, that's pretty much it. I've, I'm not really in, in the country at all this month, besides for like the 5K, so... Would be cool if you stopped by. If you want to follow my travels, you can follow me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. And if you are in Columbia, Missouri, uh, we have 30% off um, singles for any veterans, military people, or first responders tomorrow and 10% off for all the regular people uh, because we were closed on the 4th of July. With all that plugging out of the way, that's pretty much it. I think I'm going to pull the plug on this cast. And we, we uh, thank you guys for listening to a 
very easy podcast on your ears. This has been Cartel Aristocrats number 104. And as always, we will see you guys next week.